This is a talk by Joel titled, Transforming Emotions 6, True Nature, Part 1, recorded October 2009 at the Cloud Mountain Retreat Center in Castle Rock, Washington. So, uh, I said uh, at some point in this retreat that these practices of transforming emotions are traditionally given after someone has had a Gnostic flash, or as the Tibetans call it, uh, they've been introduced to the nature of mind. And I didn't do that because actually the Tibetans themselves now are teaching these practices to practitioners. I mean, I wouldn't just go ahead and teach them to beginners on a spiritual path, but if you've had some experience on a path, especially some meditative experience, and you know how to cultivate at least a little bit of an undistracted mind and so forth, they can be very valuable. And I didn't start off the retreat trying to introduce everybody to the nature of mind because I didn't want for anybody to feel that the practices weren't valuable because we went through this exercise and they didn't get introduced to the mind and so everything else is not going to work. Because these can be valuable for you. Just in your ordinary life, you can really uh, get benefit out of it. And it's also very important to have practiced this in case you have a Gnostic flash and no one's around uh, to give you practices like this, you'll remember them, you know what to do when so-called afflicted emotions start to arise. You know how to look directly at them and uh, liberate whatever thoughts you have about they're good or bad or this or that or whatever and then just see that that energy is also just equally a manifestation of the divine as anything else. But since this is the last day of the retreat, now I thought I would do a little experiment and give you some teachings and we'll do some practices that maybe will introduce you to the nature of your mind. Maybe not, but that's okay because we've already done the main practices and I've planted the seeds and you take them away. Whether they sprout or not, it's not up to me anymore. That's up to you. So, there are a number of methods for this. And they all involve, in the Tibetan tradition, they all involve what you might call pointing out instructions, where the master gives you things to look for, or perhaps better say, no things to look for. Because, of course, this is the problem with this, uh, this whole path, that actually what we're looking for is not a thing. But the master gives you pointers, and then you go off on your own, and you do a meditative practice in a contemplative state to see if you can connect the teaching to your own experience. So we're going to try three different sets of instructions this morning. I'm going to read you these sets of instructions and then we'll do some meditation and then we'll come back and do another set and then another set and see how we do, okay? I do want to stress that this is not going to work if you're all anxious about it and have an expectation, oh, this is my chance, I'm going to wake up and all that. That is all complete distraction. Absolute distraction. So everybody just forget about it or you leave it up to God or however you want to think about it. It's not up to you. So it's so simple. You just listen to the instruction and you follow the instruction. And it happens or it doesn't happen. And that's all there is to it. Really. So, here we go. Tibetan master Longchenpa writes, The supreme peerless vehicle of the secret Dzogchen, the great completion, functions to bring you directly into the sphere of that which is spontaneously there. This sphere, which is the foundation, is unchanging. To realize it directly is the supreme view of reality. I'll go through that one more time just to clear up some of the mystery of the terminology, but we want to focus on that unchanging. The supreme peerless vehicle of the secret Dzogchen. That's referring to the Dzogchen practices that some of you have heard of as a set of practices at least in the Nyingma tradition, they're considered the highest set of practices and they're high teachings because they assume you're ready to have an introduction of mind and then they go on from there with practices like we've been doing on this retreat. 
Zochen means the great completion, or sometimes translated as the great perfection. So he says, the supreme peerless vehicle of the secret Zochen. He's talking about the Zochen path, or a set of uh, teachings, which is called the great perfection. The great perfection also refers to what is realized. So it's not only the name of how to realize it, but it's also what we realize is the great perfection of everything. But anyway, the vehicle functions to bring you directly into the sphere of that which is spontaneously there. In other words, to bring you directly into an encounter with ultimate reality. This sphere, a sphere is just a metaphorical thing. It's not any kind of contained or enclosed sphere. This sphere, which is the foundation of everything, is unchanging. To realize it directly is the supreme view of reality. That's enlightenment. So what's it like? Well, one thing you can say about it is it is unchanging. Now, the same teaching is given in other traditions. Here's the Taoist Chong Su. All that have faces, forms, voices, colors, these are all mere things. But that which creates things has no form, and it rests where there is no change. The great Sufi master Ibn Arabi agrees. At root, the substance of the cosmos is one. It never changes from its reality. And here's uh, the Hindu Shankara. And this is a testimony of his own awakening. And he says, I am neither he who acts nor he who experiences the results of action. I am beyond action and changeless. My nature is pure consciousness. That's an interesting one because we connect something about changelessness with pure consciousness. So, one of the things that we always do on these retreats and is stressed in all these traditions is the impermanence of all phenomena. As Chung Su said, everything that has a face or form or voice or whatever, these are all things and they're all impermanent. And we spend literally hours getting to know that through our own experience, how everything arises and passes, moment to moment, how everything arises and passes. And so what these mystics are saying is, well, look and see what doesn't arise and pass, what doesn't come and go, what doesn't change. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to check this out in a contemplative inquiry. This is the universal teaching of the mystics. Let's not take their word for it. Let's see if we can look into our own experience and discover what does not change. So I'm going to give you some guidance. This will be a guided meditation. We'll do it formally. Get into your formal posture. We'll go through this and then uh, we'll stop and talk about it after. Ready? So let's begin with concentration to stabilize our attention.
Now allow your attention to expand into the field of bodily sensations. Be aware of the impermanence of these sensations. They rise and pass. If you detect a sensation that seems to be solid and hanging around a long time, look more closely at it. See if it isn't really changing in intensity, getting a little stronger, a little weaker. Look even more closely and see if it isn't made up of tiny little sensations, all vibrating very quickly, coming and going. Now let your attention expand into the auditory field. Notice how all sounds are impermanent. They rise and they pass. Even if there seems to be a solid mass of sound present, if you listen closely, you can pick out individual sounds, like the raindrops, each one which has a transitory, fleeting existence.
if any tastes or smells arise, notice their impermanence. Now expand your attention into the visual field. Notice the sights and the visual phenomena. shift your gaze all the way to the left. And then slowly shift your gaze all the way to the right. Return your gaze to the center. your eyes. that all visual phenomena are impermanent. They change. attention to expand to encompass the mental field. And notice how all mental phenomena are impermanent. Thoughts, images, memories arise and pass. attention to diffuse through the total field of consciousness awareness.
Notice that all the phenomena in all the fields, bodily sensations, sounds, tastes, smells, visual phenomena, mental phenomena, all are impermanent. Now shift your attention from the foreground of changing phenomena to the background of the consciousness that is aware of them. Is this consciousness changing? Is it not true that while phenomena arise and pass away, this consciousness isn't arising and passing away? Could it be that this unchanging consciousness, which is aware of everything that does change, could this be the ultimate reality you've been searching for? this be the true nature of your mind? 
If so, surrender all effort to find something and simply be what you are. If you wish to follow our format, stop your player now and practice these instructions. When you've familiarized yourself with these instructions, start your player again and continue with the program. So what was your experience? Okay, so awareness never goes anywhere. It's always just right there present. Everything just comes and goes there. It's just big as life and choices perfect. Yes. And? And so that's it. I mean, you know, stuff tries to obscure it and make you think that but it doesn't go anywhere. So it's, you can't shake it off or like stab it and get rid of it. It's not going to go. It's going to be there if you just let it be. Boy, she should give the instructions for here. That's great. Can you shake it off? Try shaking it off. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Yes? Well, I think it, for me it made it much more clear how effort is unnecessary. Marlene shaking her head too? Yes. It's there. It's just there. It's just there. It's just there. Absolutely no. Yes. And it also points out the futility effort because just try to open your eyes and not see, or when somebody's talking, try not to hear them. Effort, you know, is futile. Very good. Can I ask a question? Sure. I've been going along sort of acting as if and just sort of proceeding, I'm going to say it clearly, like if a sound comes up, it's like waiting when the sound rang, you know, and, and the thought still comes up and right. I take thought. Um, if I were to somehow attain a state where that wasn't happening, it really was just phenomena and not rain, Tom, you know, whatever. How could you how could you function in the world if you were perceiving everything without labeling it? Even if you weren't doing it accurately. Okay. First of all, um, the idea is not to perceive everything without labeling it. The idea is to know the difference between what you're perceiving and the label. Okay. And the second thing is, uh, it's possible you could be in a state where where no labeling is happening. That's very possible. And it's fine. When, when you need labels, they'll be there. And the third thing I have to say about this, this is, uh, this is what uh, Wesley calls a UFO. Anybody know what a UFO is? 
You find out. Why do you ask me what, what would happen in a state like that? Go get into a state like that and you find out. You don't need to ask me uh, something like that. If you're curious about some uh, state, go practice and get in the state. Then you'll know. But it is important to realize we are not practicing to get rid of labeling. We're simply practicing in order to be able to discriminate labeling from naked experience. Because once you make that discrimination, there's no problem with labeling whatsoever. In fact, you're right, it's extremely useful. Okay. Here's the second set of instructions. According to the Sufis, there is nothing but Allah. So if there's nothing but Allah, then your true nature must be Allah. I mean, the true nature of everything must be Allah, and yours included. So here's what Ibn Arabi says about Allah. He is not accompanied by thingness, nor do we ascribe it to him. The negation of thingness from him is one of his essential attributes. In other words, your true nature is no thing. Here's a Christian mystic, Dionysius the Aeropagite. The ultimate nameless reality is within our intellects, souls and bodies, in heaven, on earth. And whilst remaining the same in itself, it is at once in and around and above the world. Super celestial, super essential, a sun, a star, fire, water, spirit, dew, cloud, stone, rock, and all that is, yet it is nothing. No thing. And Shankara says of the Atman, which is your true self, the Atman is the witness beyond all attributes. It can be directly realized as pure consciousness and infinite bliss. Something without attributes is no thing. Things have attributes. And again, he always ties it back to consciousness. Big clue there. Longchenpa elaborates. Longchenpa, the Tibetan master. Mind has no color, design, and there is nothing to be shown or to find. Even if one examines it and searches thoroughly outside, inside, or in between, this not finding the mind is a space-like state, clear, equal, free from designation and analysis, and detached from the actor and acted upon. It is the vision of the nature of the ultimate body. So, mind is no color, no design, there's nothing to be shown, there's nothing to find. If you go look for it, it has no attributes. It ain't a thing. So, is this true? Is consciousness or awareness a thing? Does it have any attributes? Does it have any color? Does it weigh anything? Does it have any texture? Is it coarse or smooth? Does it have any shape? It seems to move. Now your mind is thinking. This is where you've got to suspend your thinking mind. We'll find out. And this is exactly uh, what makes mysticism a sacred science. We don't sit and speculate at a certain point. We just go look and see, just like a scientist who has a theory and then goes and checks it out in the laboratory. So we are our own laboratory here. Everybody is, in that respect, equally suited. We all have exactly the same laboratory. Nobody has a better laboratory than another person. We can refine the instruments in our laboratory through practice and meditation and so forth, but there's no more reality in one person's laboratory than another person's laboratory. You take the highest llama, you know, uh, up in the mountains there. It's got the same reality as an ant. I've seen those llamas up in the mountains, driving through um, the eastern Sierras. There's a llama farm up by uh, 
None the flake. <laughs> so let's investigate. Let's uh, look into this. What we're looking for now is what would we actually say about consciousness? And you don't have to be philosophical about this. We want to just go look and see. Does have these things that, uh, like Long Chempa listed, a color or this or that? Find out for ourselves. So, everybody ready? Okay, here we go. So we begin with concentration, stabilize attention, Now allow attention to expand into the field of bodily sensations. Notice that sensations are things. We can discriminate between them. Some are strong, some are weak. Some are pleasant, some are unpleasant. Some are painful.
attributes, they have characteristics. That's what makes them things. Allow attention to expand into the auditory field. Become aware of the different sounds that arise and pass. Notice that sounds are things. They have attributes and characteristics. Some are loud, some are soft. Some are gentle. Some come and go quickly, some linger. If any tastes or smells are present, notice that they too are things. They can be mild or strong, bitter or sweet. and characteristics. Now allow attention to flow into the visual field.
and notice visual phenomena are things. They have attributes and characteristics. Different colors, different sizes, different shapes. Now allow attention to expand into the mental field. Become aware of the various thoughts that arise and pass. Notice that thoughts are things. Subtle things, but things nevertheless. They have attributes, characteristics. Some are concrete, some are abstract. Some are practical, some are poetic. philosophical, thoughts can be murky or clear, Let attention diffuse through the total field of consciousness awareness. 
notice all the phenomena of all the fields arising, passing. And notice they are all things. They all have characteristics, attributes, qualities by which we can distinguish them. Notice we can also tell the difference between when a thing is present and when it is gone. My voice, which is a thing, is present, and in a few moments it will be gone. Now shift attention from the foreground of things, phenomena, arising and passing, to the background of that consciousness which is aware of their arising and passing, of their different qualities and attributes. Now ask yourself what sort of attributes consciousness has. What color is it? What size is it? soft
doesn't have any taste or smell. Is it bitter or sweet? Do any of these designations mean anything when applied to consciousness? Is consciousness any sort of thing at all? Maybe this no thing is your true nature, the ultimate reality mystics have been talking about. If so, look for it no further. Simply be what you are. You've now reached the end of this talk. Continue practicing at least once a day until you are thoroughly familiar with these instructions. Then continue with the next talk for more teachings and instructions.